0: Please turn in your Bibles to the 84th Psalm. We're in the last of our series on the Psalms, and we're just going to look at the last two verses of this Psalm. But uh, next week we'll start a series on prayer, dealing with great men and women of prayer, entitled, They Knew How to Pray. Psalm 84 verse 11. The Lord God is a sun and a shield. Uh, The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. I have a feeling that um, when I die and go to heaven, that the Lord is going to say, "Come over here, Frank. I want to show you something." And he's going to take this blueprint and unfold it and he's going to say, "Now, this is when you were at this stage of your life and here's what I was prepared to do with you, but but you missed it." Because you didn't trust me. And he's going to say, "Now, at this stage, I was prepared to do this, but You jumped over here and headed off in this direction. And here at this stage, I was going to do this, but uh, you didn't obey. And so I did this. I'm going to miss some of the good things God had for me. Notice the opportunity of receiving God's good things. In uh, verse 11, the Lord God is a sun and a shield. It's what God is to his people. Matthew Henry, great commentator of 1600s, uh, says, uh, we are here in darkness, and, uh, but if God is our God, he will be like the sun to us. He will enlighten us. He will enlaven us, he will guide us, direct us, and we're here in danger. But he'll be like a shield to secure us, a sun and a shield. And he says what he'll give to his people, that's what he'll be to his people, what he'll give, the Lord bestows favor and honor no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless King James says he will give grace and glory no good thing will he withhold from those that walk uprightly and now he's not speaking of walking sinlessly no one walks sinlessly uh, but uh, still uh, we can walk uprightly we the trend of our life uh, the the progress, uh, the sincerity, the repentance when we fail, all that can be real. And uh, <clears throat> Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, the great Baptist pastor, speaking on this passage, says, Under the name grace, he incorporates all spiritual good, and under the name glory, all eternal good, and under the name no good thing will he withhold all temporal good. And he says, But how is this true when God oftentimes withholds riches and honor and good health from men though they walk ever so uprightly? You look around you, you see upright men who are poor, upright men who have bad ailments, who have all kinds of problems. And he says, We may know therefore that honors and riches and bodily strength are not necessarily God's good things. Uh, those are the things that God bestows on the just and the unjust, like he sends the rain on the just and the unjust. But God's good things are his spiritual blessings. What would you rather have? A lot of money or your child come to know Jesus Christ? Your child grow up to be a strong Christian. Influence people for Christ. Which do you want? Riches and nothing. True riches. Spiritual blessings. Fruit of the Spirit. Character. Love. Joy. Peace. Long-suffering. Christ-likeness. That's spiritual blessings. In his book, Practical Christianity, A.W. Pink, has a chapter entitled, Enjoying God's Best. And uh, he says, before proceeding further, let me explain what we intend by enjoying God's best. We mean for the saints to have daily communion with God, to walk in the light of his countenance, for his word to be sweet to our taste." Light to our understanding, strength to the inner man, for prayer to be a delight, Uh, answers of peace to be received, channel of supplies to remain unchoked, is to have the mind stayed on Christ, to have a conscience void of offense, to have full assurance of our acceptance in Christ, as for our graces to be kept healthy and vigorous so that faith, hope and love, meekness, patience, zeal, are in daily exercise. That's God's good things. Now, uh, Christ said, if we abide in him, we'll bring forth fruit. And uh, here it is. It's promise. Now, those can be ours. That's what the text says. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless or who walk uprightly. Psalm 34.10 The young lions do lack and suffer hunger but they that seek the Lord shall never want any good thing. You see, the opportunity of receiving God's good things, the possibility of missing God's good things. uh, These things are promised to those who walk uprightly. And uh, We can miss it if we don't walk uprightly. That's what happened to Jerusalem. They missed God's good things. The Jewish people, you remember Jesus, He said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I wanted to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks, and you would not. Uh, When He approached Jerusalem during the last week of his, His life, when he saw the city, he wept. He said, oh, if you had only known the things that belonged to your peace, the peace you could have had, the blessings you could have had, but now they're hid from your eyes. They missed God's good things. Uh, <clears throat> Paul tells the Corinthians that they brought bad things on themselves. He said, because of... Uh, well, this caused many of you a weak and sickly, and some have died. Their irreverence at the Lord's Supper. Uh, in Psalm 81, God tells Israel, Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. He said, I told them that, but they wouldn't do it. Uh, they hardened their hearts. So they missed The possibility of missing God's good things. How do you miss God's good things? Well, if you're not a Christian, you miss the one essential thing. you missed it all if you don't become a Christian. You're going to experience bad, 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 bad things forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Can you do that? You prepared to do that? Most of the folks in this city are going to do that. It's easy to miss becoming a Christian. Easy. Easy to think you're a Christian and not be a Christian. I was a minister and I wasn't a Christian. It wasn't that I wasn't serious. I was blind. I was through fighting God. I was trying to do God's will. I was trying to walk uprightly, and I was doing a lot better than I used to do. But I wasn't a Christian. I missed the whole concept of salvation by grace. I'd sing the hymn, Amazing Grace. Y'all want me to sing? No, y'all don't want me to sing. I'd sing the hymn, but I I didn't understand it. I thought God is going to be gracious and had sent his son to die for me, and if I was pretty good, the combination of his death and my pretty goodness would make me acceptable. That's not grace. That's me earning my salvation by my pretty goodness. I knew I'd been real bad, so I was trying to make up for the bad by being real good. Well, salvation's a gift, but I missed it. (laughs) You trust Jesus Christ... Alone, upon a life I did not live, upon a death I did not die, another's life, another's death. I stake my whole eternity. That's faith in Jesus Christ. And you surrender your will to a Master. We've got people here who are trusting Him. They realize you don't earn your salvation. It's a gift, but you never surrendered your will. He's not your Master. You're living your life your way. You think you're okay. You've been whitewashed with the Gospel. You've had the concepts thrown over you, and you've understood the concepts, but you never surrendered your will. And your life's not really different from the folks around you. Uh, You can miss it. If you are a Christian, you can miss God's good thing, God's great blessing that he's prepared to give, wants to give, by disobedience. A reading from A.W. Pink again. Uh, Pink says, God has established an inseparable connection between holiness and happiness, between our pleasing Him and our enjoyment of His richest blessings. Uh, He says, Since we are always the losers by sinning, we are also always the gainers by walking in the paths of righteousness. Righteousness. There will be an exact ratio between the measure in which we walk therein and our enjoyment of the peaceable fruits of righteousness. God has declared that those that honor me, I will honor. Those that lightly esteem me will be despised. Uh, And uh, so, uh, here's this uh, way we can miss it by our disobedience. Jeremiah 325, your iniquities have turned away those things and your sins have withholden good things from you. You lose your temper. You think wrong because you put wrong things into your mind. You watch a television program, it messes up your thinking. You look after a woman to lust after her in your heart. Uh, You uh, shade the truth. You're not honest in your business dealings. And you keep God's good things from you. You're a youngster. You rebel against your parents. You cheat on the exam. You keep God's good things from you. Uh, uh, God sent Nathan around to David After David had sinned with Bathsheba. And here David was a man after God's own heart. But he let his eyes feast on something. And then that got a grip on his heart. And first thing you know he's fallen flat on his face spiritually. God sends Nathan the prophet around. And God says through Nathan, I've blessed you David. I've blessed you tremendously. I gave you your master's house, I gave you your master's wife, I made I gave you Israel, I gave you Judah to be king over. <clears throat> and I would have done this and this and this. But you did this and so I'm not gonna do that, I'm gonna do this. The sword's not gonna depart from your house. The child is going to die that your that Bathsheba's conceived. And uh, so on. He missed God's bless, best. Some of God's good things through his disobedience. We bring God's chastisement on ourselves. We withhold his blessings when we sin. He doesn't willingly do that. God doesn't willingly afflict the children of men. He wants to bless. So by disobedience, or by disbelief, remember, The Israelites were commanded to go in and take the promised land that God was going to give them. So they appointed twelve spies, and they went in to spy out the land. And they came back, and they said, It's a a land of milk and honey, a great land, the fruits of the land. Look here, we brought some with us, tremendous. But there are high wall cities and giants in the land. And ten of them said, We can't go up. Why, Why, those giants are so big. We were like grasshoppers in their sight, and in our own sight. We can't take it. And two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said, let's go up. We can do it. God is with us. He's called us to go. He'll be with us. We can take it. But the group listened to the ten instead of the two. The group said, if we go up, our children will suffer. So, they had to wander in the wilderness 40 years till that generation died out, their children really did suffer because they didn't trust God. This this the adults didn't trust God. We can miss God's good things by disbelief. Uh when Jesus went to his hometown, it says he did not many mighty works there because of their own belief. Because of their disbelief. Uh, we can miss God's good things by being misled by taking a wrong turn at some point and stepping out of his will thinking we're in his will. Uh, you remember when they're entering the promised land, God said, all right, all the nations in the land you're not to make any peace treatment with. You drive them out of the land because for their sin, I'm casting them out of the land. You can make peace with those around you, but within the land, no peace. Uh, a group in the land, the Gibeonites, dress up like they were From a long way away, their clothes are tattered, their shoes are worn out, their bread is molded to deceive. And they come and say, we want to make peace with you. Look how far we had to come. Look at our clothes. So they said, well, great, we'd like to make peace with you. And they inquired not at the mouth of the Lord. They didn't pray about it. They were misled. And there were serious consequences coming out of that. They couldn't break that agreement once they had made it. J.I. Packer, in his excellent book, Knowing God, has a chapter on guidance, God our guide. And he says that even when you have right ideas about guidance, a lot of folks have wrong ideas about guidance. A lot of folks think God's normal way of guidance is uh, through impressions. That's not his normal way of guidance. His normal way is through the Word of God, understood with our renewed minds and prayer and so on. But uh, it says even with right ideas about guidance in general, however, it's still easy to go wrong, particularly in vocational type choices, daily choices. Of, uh, who do I marry, and, and uh, where do I work, and where do I go to school, and so on. And he says uh, some of the pitfalls. Number one, an unwillingness to think. He uh, it says it's a false piety of an unhealthy sort that demands inward impressions that have no rational base, and declines to heed the constant biblical summons to consider. God made us thinking beings, and he guides our minds uh, as in his presence, Uh, oh, that they were wise, that they would consider. Second, unwillingness to think ahead, to consider the long-term consequences of alternate courses of actions. Third, unwillingness to take advice the way of the foolish is right in his own eyes, but he that is wise hearkeneth to counsel. Unwillingness to suspect yourself and your motives. Uh, Unwillingness to discount personal uh, magnetism. It says, uh, Outstanding men that you might follow. Outstanding men are not necessarily wrong, but they're not necessarily right either. They and their views must be respected, but must not be idolized. Prove, test all things. Hold fast to that which is good. First Thessalonians 5. 6. Unwillingness to wait on the Lord. We can be misled and can miss God's blessing. So, by disobedience, by distrust, by being misled. Now, that raises a question. This question only bothers Presbyterians. <clears throat> how does all this square with predestination? I mean, if God has got it all planned out, and he's running your life by plan, and everything's in the plan, how in the world can you miss his best? Well, I've asked John Calvin up here to explain that. No. <laughs> uh... <clears throat> A.W. Pink has some uh, helpful thoughts about that. And uh, he says, uh, The formation and the effectuation of God's eternal decrees, His predestination, are in no wise effected by man. He can neither delay nor hasten them. But the present government of this world, by God, is in large measure affected and determined by the actions of men, his own people included, so that in this life they are to a very considerable extent made to reap according as they sow, both in spiritual matters and temporal matters. God, he says uh, that... uh, How is it possible for any person to miss God's best since God has foreordained everything that comes to pass? Romans 11:36. Then, therefore, has eternally appointed the precise lot and portion of each individual. That, he says, is a fair and frank way of stating the principal objection which Calvinists are likely to make to the idea of missing God's best. Because our first reply is that such an objection is beside the point. We're not discussing God's sovereignty, but human responsibility now. And uh, you've got to keep those things in balance. <clears throat> and both are true. Both must be given their due place. Each of them is plainly taught and enforced in the Scriptures. Both must be held fast by us, whether or not we perceive their consistency. Think about Judas. Uh, Jesus, sitting at the Last Supper, said to Judas, the Son of Man goes even as it is written, even as the plan calls for. You're going to betray me, I'm going to be killed. That's what the plan calls for. The Son of Man goes even as it is written, even as has been prophesied. But woe be unto him by whom he is betrayed. You're choosing to do this. You're being held accountable. You don't have to do it. As human responsibility and divine sovereignty, both are true. Uh, he freely chose to do it. God didn't force him to do it. And uh, those things you've got to hold in balance. Now, the uh, you have a, an interesting case. In, uh, That pink mentions there where Joash, king of Israel, is threatened by the king of Syria and his troops. And so he sends to Elisha the prophet who's on his deathbed. And and he he talks to him and he says, "Uh, what am I going to do about this and pray to God and tell me what to do? And, And Elisha says, well, the Lord has shown me that you're going to conquer Syria. Take a bow and some arrows and, and smite the ground. And so the king takes a uh, bow and arrow and he smites the ground three times. And Elisha got angry and he said, you should have done it five or six times. Then you would have conquered them five or six times. Interesting interplay here between uh, missing God's best, between uh, uh, the human actions, God's running the show of God's sovereignty the responsibility for qualifying for God's good things that's our responsibility we are responsible to walk uprightly no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless second chronicles 16:9 the eyes of the lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is right toward him is perfect toward him it's, and i've got to have the right heart the undivided heart What's necessary to qualify for his good things? Number one, obedience, to walk uprightly. Um, Remember God's word to Joshua. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate therein day and night, in order that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. Turn not to the right hand or to the left hand. Then shalt thou make thy way prosperous. Then shalt thou have good success. Obedience to God's word. Jesus said the very same thing. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he will be loved of my Father. We will come and manifest ourselves to him. They'll bless him. Obedience. That's crucial. Uh, Jesus talked about, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. I'll be able to manifest my love, even as I've kept my Father's commandments. Now, none of us keep his commandments all the time. But when I sin, what do I do about it? Do I repent of it? Do I turn? Am I conscious of His law? Am I trying to fill it out and flesh it out in the power of the Holy Spirit? Uh, do I walk in the Spirit? Do I use the means of growth, prayer and Christian fellowship and and uh, the Scriptures and so on? Obedience. And then faith. Uh, and... Uh, The twelfth verse here, it says, O Lord Almighty, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Faith. Matthew 9, uh, Jesus is talking to two blind men, and they said, Lord, Lord, that we might receive our sight. And Jesus said, do you believe that I can do this? They said, yes. He said, according to your faith, be it done unto you. Faith. Obedience and faith. Faith. man came to Jesus whose son was demon-possessed, and the disciples hadn't been able to help. And he said, Lord, if you can do anything, please help. Jesus said, I, I can do everything. All things are possible to him who believes. And he said, and notice Jesus is putting the responsibility on him to believe. And he says, Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. And Jesus responded and uh, healed his son. So... <clears throat> By faith and obedience, trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy or blessed, to receive his good things, but to trust and obey. The recoverability after having missed God's good things. You start off and you get off track and you miss some great blessings. You get your life all messed up. Can you ever recover? Any way back? Remember, through Joel, God said to Israel, He sent locust plague to devour their crops because of their rebellion against Him and their idolatry and so on. And, but then He sent Joel to say, Look, rend your heart and not your garment. Let's have real repentance, not just show repentance. And I'll restore the years the locust has eaten. Recoverability. I remember sitting on the porch of the Birmingham Country Club with a man one day. And he'd messed his life all up. His family. He said, is there any way I can recover? He had just accepted Christ. Is there any way I can recover? I said, yes. Yes. Yes, I don't know how much you can recover. But yes, God will restore the years the locust has eaten. He said, then I want to. And he really tackled it. He really rended his heart and not his garments. The sacrifices of God, a broken heart, a broken and contrite spirit, O God, thou wilt not despise. And God began to bless and use that man. Yes, you can recover. And God gives space in here for repentance. Remember he sends Jonah to Nineveh and he, yet forty days Nineveh will be destroyed. But the king when he heard the message he repented. He said, no one in this kingdom eat anything. Fast, sackcloth, humble yourselves. Don't drink anything, don't eat anything. Don't even let the cattle eat anything. We are going to turn to God. And God didn't destroy them. They were covered. And in the case of Bathsheba and David, God forgave, and God blessed David, but there were certain lasting consequences of what he'd done. Well, uh, <clears throat> whoso covers his sins shall not prosper. Whosoever confesses and forsakes his sins shall find mercy. God says, come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be whiter than snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Isn't that good news? Goodness gracious. Yes, we can recover. What about you? When God unfolds that blueprint for you, He said, well, uh, you were in church when Frank preached about that. And if you'd done this, I would have done this. You were in church when he talked about how he missed becoming a Christian. And you were sitting there and you weren't a Christian. And you heard what he said and you knew what it required and you weren't willing to do it. Or you were there when he talked about Rebelling against your parents. And you were in rebellion against your parents. And I was prepared right then to do this. If you would do this. Where are you? Where are you? What do you need to do? So you don't miss God's good things. I don't want to miss any of God's good things. I want His blessing on me and on my family. And on my children's children. And on their children. And it has to do with how I walk. Let's have prayer. What, what, is, what would God have you to do? Where are you? Where are you off track? How do you recover? Maybe you're right in the middle of where you ought to be. Praise the Lord. Just stay there. But maybe you realize this area of my life is not right and I'm missing God's good things. I don't want to miss God's good things. Lord, I hear what you're saying, and I will deal with that. Tell him that. If you need help dealing with it, come see the stand. Go see a brother Christian. But maybe it's maybe somebody you need to go back to and humble yourself before and confess something or ask forgiveness. And you're, you're missing God's good things. Maybe you've never surrendered your will or never placed your trust in Christ. But that's where you need to start. How about doing that today? Pray in your heart right now. That's where you are. Pray, Lord Jesus, I don't want to miss the best thing. I don't want to experience the worst thing. Lord, you are the best thing. Come into my life. I trust you to do that. And I surrender to you as my master. Amen.